I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the call. 10 stocks picked by you, two experts. One hour. It is Friday, the 26th of August. I'm Andrew Gagan. Good to have you with us and our two experts on the show today. Adam Dawes from Shore and Partners and Nathan Somersandaran from Deep Data Analytics. Welcome to both of you. Uh, Nathan, um, of course, everyone's hanging on Jackson Hole uh, begins tonight. <laughs> We're going to hear from, uh, from Jerome Powell. Do you think too much has been read into this? Um, you know, what are your feelings? Yeah, it, it's actually funny because it's Laramie, Wyoming. Uh, that's where Jackson Hall is. And I've actually been there. I used to uh, have a contact there where I was working when I was working in the US. It's probably the most boring place you'll go. I think the whole population is, um, Laramie's got like 50,000. I think 25,000 are uni students. Uh, so, but it's not a, a massive interest. It's only for one day every year, everyone concerned about uh, Jackson Hall. Um, I think it's very tough to see uh, US Fed suddenly coming up with a new strategy or uh, you know, marketing a pivoting situation in Jackson Hall. They tend to be, when it, when it comes to Jackson Hole, it's more about the big picture um, and about talking about how things are tracking and where they are. Generally, they tend to go with what they already have in play. So I'm not expecting something dramatic, but if you look at the market action, they are running really hard into risk assets into that meeting. Oh. And the market is pricing in a pivot, which I just can't see because if they pivot, inflation takes off again and they're back to the same problem. So they need to get inflation down and that only way they can do that is to bring down growth and hold that down for a period of time. And it's only at the start of that cycle and I just can't see how they can start to talk about pivoting uh, before they even get the job done. Yep. Adam, what do you reckon? Are we going to be sucked in to Jackson Hole and spat out the other side? Uh, well, definitely that is going to happen no matter which way you look at it, I think. Um, yeah, it's interesting, the pivot. I like that word pivot. I mean, if they do change direction, I think the market will lose a little bit of confidence about sort of, look, they've gone with this rhetoric for so long. You know, this is what we're doing. We're going to be we're going to be raising interest rates. And, and, and to get some in, inside information is going to be really, really difficult. Uh, it does look to me that this second half of this year and even in this last quarter, we might potentially, that interest rate rises might sort of start to slow down a little bit. And then it's going to be a little bit more difficult for them to sort of keep the market uh, steady. Markets had a fantastic run over the last couple of months and it, it has been, yeah, it's been great. Everyone's sort of portfolio is looking a little bit healthier, uh, but that can turn on a dime mm. as well. So. I'm going to say I don't know what is going to happen, but, but cautious optimism—that's what it sounds like. Uh, I you. think so. Yeah, I think yeah. I think we, we. I want them to hold the line. I want them. There's no pivot. I want them to hold the line, and that will increase markets' confidence in what they're doing. And I think that's the most important thing. Mm. All right. 
Well, let's uh, let's get into it. Of course, we're in the thick of earnings season. We'll get to that in just a moment. But our first five stocks we're going to take a look at. Wise Tech, Woolworths, Boss Energy, City Chic and Goodman Group. Our stock of the day is West Farmers. Has reported this morning uh, full year net profit fell 2.9% uh, in a volatile year to $2.4 billion. However, the second half of the year, uh, strong after that uh, COVID impacted the first half. Uh, based on strength in the latter part, West Farmers has lifted its final dividend to $1 a share, bringing the full payout to $1.80. Uh, not providing guidance, but saying trading has remained strong in the first few weeks of this financial year with sales particularly strong at Kmart. Mm. And on the outlook, it's saying it's well positioned uh, as cost of living pressures impact consumers. Shares having popped this morning. Adam, yeah. what are your thoughts there? So what are we turning to Kmart um, <laughs> for uh, cheaper goods as we continue to well, buy? Well, absolutely. $4 pair of kids' jeans. I mean, it does make sense <laughs> that, uh, that you know people are looking to sort of cheaper alternatives as interest rates continue to rise. But really, we haven't started to see the effects of those interest rate rises yet. Um, we saw Commonwealth, I saw Commonwealth Bank this week, and they said not until December will there really those first interest rates, not the ones that are about to happen, but just these ones that have just previously gone, will start to affect cons- customers going forward. So, yeah, and particularly as mortgages really start to bite. That's right, that's right. So, yeah. um, and, and funnily enough, I, I was going to use this antidote later, but I'll use it now because it looks good, um, that Commonwealth Bank said 78% of their customers uh, have over two years worth of mortgage repayments still on their books. So that means this economy is still very resilient to any kind of shocks going forward. And hence why Kmart, Bunnings did okay. Um, so, you know, this this kind of thing for, for Wes Farmers has been all right. Obviously a little bit lower on the net profit side of things. Dividend was up from 90 cents to a dollar, which means a dollar 80 for the full year. I think that'll keep people happy. I've always liked Wes Farmers. I think it's a buy. I'm going to say it. Yeah, I'm going to say it's a buy uh, here. I'm really comfortable with it. Most of uh, Wes Farmers customers are in the mortgage belt of Australia. Uh, so further interest rate rises are going to affect them going forward. So there's a little bit of uh, tempered buy, maybe I say there, but uh, comfortable uh, with Wes Farmers. And I'm really interested to see how their healthcare division is looking, especially with Priceline now starting to be wrapped up inside of that. We're going to get some more numbers on that probably closer to the end of the year but again uh very comfortable with wesies at the moment yep okay Nathan, are you still buying at kmart um bunnings oh yeah office works i think i've been to kmart at least four times in the last month uh <laughs> and i think uh well the family has turned up at office works for numerous things i mean you got teenagers a uh, number of times so it, it's it's a really good business model uh, I think where West Farmers gets um, confused in the market is that they get considered like a, a retailer. They're not a retailer. Mm. They are a listed private equity business. Um, they trade in every asset, everything from EV to uh, pharmacies to you know Bunnings, Office Works, Kmart. Um, they do really well. I With mean, they've got payment. a massive. Yep. Yeah, they've got a massive balance sheet, um, and they are still acquiring assets. So the market is getting slightly optimistic. The thing to remember is this one was traded like retailer out of all the the ones that I would consider as listed uh, private equity. This was hit the hardest because of the retail exposure. Uh, And all the retail stocks at June 30 were already pricing in recession. So they were down 40%. So retail stocks, and I remember one of the big brokers came out and put a sell call after that. I mean, seriously. Um, So when you see a sector fall 40%, 
you're pricing in a fair bit. And all the most of the retailers have bounced back. All the good ones have. So you've seen the result. All the good ones are bouncing back. Are they going to get uh, the next leg run up? I think you've got to be careful. Uh, I think what Adam said is true. It takes about six months for interest rates to really, really flow into the consumer spending. The banks are playing smart here. They're not pushing the mortgage guys to pay up for the new rates. They're almost in a shadow way extending the home loans uh, because it's in their interest. Uh, who needs the property crash to then flow into a mortgage problem? So they are trying to extend the problem. So that should give a bit of leeway. But consumers are in the bottom half are struggling and I don't think they're going to get in better. But look, what are you going to do? Uh, what you buy at Bunnings and Kmart, you really don't have an option anywhere else to go, so you're still going to go there. So I think West Farmers is good, but you're buying a list of private equity. It's not one you want to trade, but look, you see the trade come back around June 30, that was a great buying time. And if you're a long-term uh, holder, I think you buy these listed private equities on the pullback and West Farmers is one of them. So it's not one you trade, it's one you buy and hold for the long-term and I'm pretty sure uh, West Farmers will continue to do well. So a hold for now? No, look, you had a bounce and I think if you're looking in the current market for the risk it's in the market, West mm-hmm. Farmers is a good buy. I would be buying West Farmers okay. over most other retailers. All right, that's a double buy. All right, let's get into the stocks as picked by you. The first one we're looking at is WiseTech. Terry wanting to know about this. It is the logistics software maker. And, uh, in fact, it has uh, reported uh, revenue up 25%. Uh, EBITDA up 54%. Uh, net profit there up 80%. It's all up, up, as is the stock itself. Uh, had a huge bump <laughs> off the back of those results, up around uh, 10% plus. Nathan, how are you looking at WiseTech? Yeah, uh, look, it, it's a tough one uh, because it, um, I guess it separates the market. You've got one side of the market doesn't believe the story. The other side of the market wants to believe the growth story. And at the end of the day, the key thing is cash flow. If they can generate cash, I really don't care what they do with the P&L because P&L in growth stocks are like, uh, you know, it's worse than government policies. It's, uh, it's it, There's a lot of accounting play in it. Um, but the cash flow is solid. They're, they're benefiting from um, the whole acquisition play that is consolidating the industry. Um, the thing that breaks against it for me, the, the negative side of it is what's happening in global trade. I mean, if you look at most of the trade index, they've all come back, including Baltic. They've, you know, they're substantially coming back. These guys have done really well. Um, it's a growth stock, so people price it in at you know sky high multiples. I'm not chasing it after the result. I have been looking at a lot of the techs because again, techs got smashed and they are offering pretty good opportunities, but you've got to be pretty selective in this market. I think whether it's recession or not, I'm not worried about that. It's about the fact that there's going to be slowing economic growth. That's just a given. We've already seen it. There's countless downgrades globally on all major regions. And I don't think that's going to go away in the next six months. So there will be a slowdown that will have an effect on global trade. Wisetech is done really well and is priced to do really well. So I'm not chasing something that's already back up there. Uh, I'm looking at the other guys. And so, yeah, look, Wisetech's done really well. If you've been there, you've done well. Take your money, go somewhere else. That's a sell. That's a sell. All right. 
Adam, you um, we brought the share price up. Yeah, and can you we were bring the chart? Gasping yeah, can we bring the chart up again? Yeah, so, so you think it's really expensive now? Well, it, it's it, it's just when we have a look at that chart, you'll see that um, you know a couple of weeks ago on the show we were we were calling this because they did have some upgrades uh, to their businesses, and that's exactly what we like. And so the, the result was looking fantastic. But if you look at that, $59, $60, it's hit there a couple of times. Mm. And I'm not a chartist, but everybody can see that, that it's hit there a couple of times and yep. then failed and then came back down. So I think potentially you wouldn't be putting fresh money into this. Um, I, I really like they just did a UPS global rollout, uh, which has been a positive catalyst that adds about 8% to their global rollout or addressable market. So again, this is some big numbers that are coming through. So I'd be somewhat cautious at these levels. I'm going to go against maybe. Nathan's call. I'm going to say it's a hold from me because I think if you've had it, uh, you've, you know, you've probably done pretty well out of it so far. But I would just wait to see what this share price does. It might retract. It might come back a little bit. Then uh, you can definitely have a look at this one. But uh, just on that chart, it looks a little bit toppy here. One of the things that obviously tech, tech businesses have been done is they've been soaring inflation, as we know, weak customer sentiment. And that's really hit a lot of the tech stocks. This one is one that has been really outstanding in, in the tech space. So that has weathered a lot of those economic downturns. Um, another thing is that they've been able to attract a lot of new staff because of their uh, profit profile. A lot of people uh, in the tech space will, will gravitate to that because obviously they want to keep their jobs and they want to continue to, to work. So that's obviously been very, very good for them as well. So yeah, for me, it's a hold just on the chart at the moment. I think if it does have a little bit of a pullback, I'd be comfortable to dip my toe back in. Okay. All right, let's move to the retailer Woolies. Uh, Remy wanting to know about this. Group sales are rising more than 9% to 60 billion. Online sales up 39%. Uh, EBIT they're dropping uh, just over 2%. Adam, yeah, um, and its shares uh, did come off yeah. after that result. In yeah. fact, you know, look at the past twelve months; isn't really, it's really just gone sideways, it hasn't has. it? Yeah. Um, then bear in mind, of course, where we're going. I mean, it is staples, isn't it? So it is. it's resilient in that, in that sense. Very resilient, and I say to a lot of people that bread, milk, and cheese everybody needs to eat and so these guys are one of the ones Woolworths definitely leads the like for like sales against Coles so I think that's a real positive uh, for me it's a hold here and there's due to the fact that it, obviously we still remain cautious on the outlook for consumers over 2023 rising inflation mortgages uh, resets are likely to be negatively impact that discretionary spend now it's not a lot of discretionary spend so what is discretionary spend inside Woolworths it's potentially where you go and you You'll, you'll, you, instead of buying frozen vegetables, you might buy fresh vegetables. Um, and there has been, and Woolworths did say that their frozen vegetables uh, has started to rise because of that discretionary spend starting to come back. And maybe they're you in my freezer. They're, <laughs> they're in my freezer too. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so you generally, and maybe you don't buy that extra little chocolate because I hate those little chocolate counters right at the right at the counter because I look at them, but then my children are obviously always shopping going center. To, I mean, um, yeah, supermarket psychology is quite oh, amazing, isn't it? Unbelievable. They, yeah, they will science suck as much dollar every dollar out of you uh, as you walk in and then walk out again. So. I think earnings are looking okay. I think overall, it's all about the consumer. It's not about the business. I think it's about the consumer. And everyone potentially is going to be pulling their belts in a little bit. So Woolworths is a hold from me. I think I'm still comfortable with it. I just on that, on that price action, uh, yeah, so it's a hold. Okay, all right. Nathan, your thoughts then on Woolies? 
Yeah, I don't know what Adam's talking about buying uh, at the counter. Uh, you don't get the scale unless you buy bulk. So you buy family-sized chocolates. There we go, that's, there we go. That's where you save your money. <laughs> you know and you eat it in bulk at the same time. <laughs> I never said you're going to keep it. You're going to still eat it like it's a, it's a small one, but still, you buy bulk. Um, oh, look, I think Woolies is a great business model. Um, staples are... I think the sector plays well, has played well in this market uh, for this year, and I think it still plays well. Um, if you're looking for that stable yield play, it still delivers a decent yield, solid business. They're ahead of most of their competitors. Um, they're probably the, one of the top models for an inflation cycle uh, because they just don't care. Uh, as Adam said, you don't have a choice. You're going to go to them, um, and they're just going to keep their margin, and they're going to keep putting up prices. So. You're going to pay up, and they know that, and we know that. So it's it's a good model for the current market. Is it cheap? It's a hold, uh, simply because it's not that cheap. But look, no, nothing defensive is cheap in this market. Mm. So you got to look at where the risk return works in your favor, and when rates go up, who can actually um, survive through that for a defensive? Um, I'm really worried about some of the uh, the standard defensive like the utilities and infrastructure. Um, I think their um, interest rate cycle will really hurt them and slowing economy actually does hurt them. Where someone like Woolies is actually a lot more defensive than them in a slowing economic cycle. So I'm a fan of Woolies, but I don't think there's a lot of upside here. It's already had a decent run back, um, but I like it. We hold it in our portfolio, but it's not a buy, it's a hold. Okay, that is Woolies. It is a double hold. All right, let's let's get into uranium. Uh, our viewer wanting to know, uh, sort of saying uranium stock buys um, for the short term or for trading or for the longer term. Um, he's particularly looking at Bannerman, DPLO, Boss. Um, Boss is what we're actually going to be looking at here. Um, keen to know whether the uh, you guys here. Uh, would consider Boss an, uh, a buy, um, saying that uh, diggers and dealers, that recent uh, conference there in Kalgoorlie, saying that they're fully funded for the restart of the Honeymoon Uranium Project in South Australia, expects to be in production late next year, and a number of countries around the world, of course, are looking up to shore up their energy security following Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Japan, just in the past 24 hours, in fact, saying perhaps that it's going to go back into that space mm-hmm. after Fukushima, and as a result, we saw some of those um, uranium stocks um, jump considerably. Uh, Nathan, what are you thinking of Boss? And I guess more generally, as far as uranium stocks are concerned. Yeah, look, I think the whole energy uh, thematic has really got a heads up in the last six months. Uh, obviously, the war has added to it, um, but I think there are other issues attached to it as well. The industry was uh, wasn't seeing too much capex for a number of years. And that created a supply-demand dynamics that was really tight. And then the war, it, you know, created that extra kicker that it pushed it to the one side. So everything energy-related has been a pretty big performer this year. And that's flown into coal, um, uranium, um, and, you know, LNG. Um, all of those guys have benefited. EV commodities obviously have had a decent bounce back. As you said, we've had positive news come out of Europe where they put uranium as part of their uh, the green strategy. Uh, now Japan has started to look into it more uh, and that's going to keep the interest going. Um, so, you know, whether you're with uranium or without uranium or against it, that's not what I'm looking at. I'm just looking at 
where you see uh, the financial upside for the sector. And I think uranium still looks pretty good here. Um, I think everyone's looking for the options of what can play out. And I think that'll help uranium. Uh, Bosses one is actually interesting. You know, probably 18 months ago, a lot of the high net worth guys were jumping into Boss. And we got a lot of uh, pushback into that, um, telling us to look at that stock. So I think Boss is actually quite well positioned. I think the smart money has been following that for a long time. Um, so I, I suspect Boss is going to continue to be a fan favorite, especially in the high net worth environment. And I think it'll grow. Um, now, the question would be obviously what happens in the energy space. I actually think energy prices are probably going to have another run into the back half of this year. All energy, um, I suppose, options are going to do well on the back of that. Uh, we've actually added a few um, oil stocks back into our um, portfolios. So I suspect that's going to play out quite well. And I'm more than happy with Boss, and I think the updates have been pretty good. Market loves the management, and they've been executing to their um, plans quite well for the last couple of years. So that's a buy. That's a buy. And and Nathan, so over the other, throwing a blanket over the rest of the sort of local uh, uranium stocks, more locally listed, I should say, is Boss then your favourite one? Uh, actually, I was a big fan of something slightly different, Silex, um, which is kind of plays in the technology side of uranium mm. uh, enrichment. At the same time, it plays in the technology side of chips. So it had a two-horse race, and that's had a pretty big run. So um, that's done, I think it's now over three bucks. Um, it's had a pretty decent rally. And after that, we started looking at the standard plays, Paladin. Uh, was the obvious one that everyone falls back to, yep. uh, and that's done well. And Boss has been for high net worth clients. That's been the big push. So, yep. um, you know, you got to go with the flow. And Boss has been the the favourite. All right. Okay. Adam is Boss the boss in the, the sector. The, the da boss. Yes. Yeah. Uh, look. Overall, I think what you've got to do in, in any of these stocks is look at the underlying commodity. Certainly, certainly the underlying commodity has done very, very well. Uranium over the last year has increased from around about $32 a pound to a high of $64 and currently sitting around that sort of $49, sort of $50 a pound. So that's in sort of in that top end of, of, of its range. And that's obviously helped all uranium stocks start to move higher. I do like Boss because they're all in sustaining costs. They've got an 11-year mine life and all in sustaining costs of production around about two and a half million pounds per annum is around about $25 a pound. So if you're looking at it sort of $50 a pound, you can see that there's some good profit margins there and they're going to be making around about two, two and a half million pounds a year on, on an 11-year mine life. So getting away from all of the metrics, the stock has certainly run and potentially I agree with Nathan, there might be some more further runs in the energy sector going forward. So I'd say uh, Boss is a buy as well, just on the back of the catalyst that we see going into to end to 2023. However, for uh, your question will be, what are the other ones? Mm. I, I agree, Paladin is certainly one, but I would then look at the uh, ETF that's out there. It's a global ETF. It's from Beta Shares. It's URNM. So that's a uranium uh, ETF, and that's got, um, it's mainly in Canada, but that, that does have uh, Paladin there, 5% in that. It's got Cameco in that, and so it's also got the Sprott Physical Uranium mm. Trust in there as well. So providing a little bit more diversification for clients, yeah. using that ETF as a way to get access to some of those global miners, plus some of the bigger miners here in Australia, I think that's a better way instead of putting all your eggs in one basket. Yeah, good one. Okay, that's Boss, which is a double buy. All right, let's move on to City Chic. Um, Tamika Wanington about this. It is the... Uh 
clothing retailer and it has plummeted off its results. Investors spooked by high inventory stocks and those weaker trading conditions, obviously, uh, given its discretionary, uh, yeah, Shell, uh, the shares there falling some 25%. Yeah, it's a real shame. Um, a shame. It and, is. Okay, it is. talk us through it. Well, I mean, this one has got a great story and, and, and has done really, really well. Well, not looking at that chart, it hasn't done very well. But, um, you know, the whole story behind it, and if, see, there you go. Like, it has done really, really well and sort of, yes, now coming back to sort of normalised levels. So maybe it was at the start of 2021 looking a little bit tough. But obviously the recent downgrades that have seen it, and you absolutely said that inventory uh, is is significantly higher. Their inventory is around about 196 million, where it should really be around about 125 million dollars. So that inventory, yeah, is is absolutely way too high. And this is the problem with retailers, and this is the problem with COVID, is that they've had to. Uh, buy or pre-purchase a lot of those that in, a lot of that inventory because they knew that there was going to be supply chain issues. Mm. So what's now happened is that they're getting caught with all of this inventory, and that's the problem with some of these retailers. You know that's where Solomon Lou's fantastic. He runs these businesses very very well, and so they got caught with all this inventory. So they're going to have to work through that inventory. And so for me, it's a hold on this one because once this inventory does come back down to normal levels at around about that 125 million dollar mark. Um, then it could very well then turn around from here. So I really like the story. I really like the business. I think the, the, the thematic is right. It's just been mismanaged a little bit. So for me, it's a hold, and I'm going to wait to see when that inventory, and then I'd be definitely buying some because the balance sheet's okay, earnings revisions, they've cut that down, but I think it should be okay. All right, looking for an opportunity to buy. Nathan, do you agree? Yeah, Cinechic was a fan favourite for the market. Yeah. Uh, everyone had it. Every small cap fund manager had it. Now you wouldn't find one person talking about it. Uh, it's amazing what happens when share prices come off. Um, look, it, I think it's, you know, Adam said it correctly. Uh, you can see it in the reporting season out of the US. Um, the COVID, uh, I suppose, supply chain issues forced everyone to order a lot, hold on to a lot more inventory. The just-in-time uh, strategy was thrown out the door, buy and store. And now you've got a slowing down of consumers buying and suddenly you've got too much inventory. Now everyone's trying to get rid of inventory. So this is hitting everywhere. And City Chic, uh, I guess, was a big growth play. And when you've got these kind of inventories coming in in a slowing global economy, it's hit them hard and it's been on a downgrade cycle. Um, retail sector is hard at the best of times. The, you don't go into a retail stock when they're in a downgrade cycle. So if this is one that was a market darling that no one wants to talk about now and it's in a downgrade cycle, still trying to work it out. There are some guys who've got a track record of delivering. I mean, have a look at Super Retail. Have a look at Shaver Shop. Yeah. Um, these other guys, they're not sexy, but they deliver in a tough macro. Those other guys you want to back in this kind of macro environment, um, not the guys on a downgrade cycle. So. Uh, as as good as it was for markets before, uh, I think the cycle right now you've got to wait till they actually turn it around. Mm. Okay, so but would you be still be holding it? Jeez, it's been smashed, so the valuation yeah. would suggest you hold it. But my problem is there is plenty of options. Do you hold it for the next six months, waiting for them to execute, or mm. do you go to someone who's actually executing? So if you want to keep the retail exposure, have a look at someone like Super Retail or someone like Shaver Shop. They're executing and they're turning it around. 
Okay. Yeah, Shaver Shop's been fantastic. Yeah, unbelievable. And it's also due to they are able to hold products that you can't find anywhere else. So, you know, shavers, you would think how many hair dryers can you sell or shaving, you know, can you get? But um, they've done very, very well on inventory management. But also out of their 50 lines, I think 36 of them are only to Shaver Shop. So that gives right. them that power to... Yeah. to Turn the dial up or down. Yeah, misnamed, perhaps. I think I bought an electric <laughs> toothbrush there. So, yeah, there you, you go. Know. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to Goodman Group. Uh, has seen a 25% increase in operating profit, a 24% increase in operating earnings per share in the latest full year results. Shabir wanted to know about this, saying, uh, I've seen the experts cover this. I've been on the sidelines since April with a higher cash balance in my portfolio. In the recent dip, I want to start buying quality companies such as Goodman. Uh, it's got good management, positive cash flow, great result. Is it time to buy now or at what price should I get in? Nathan. Uh, look, Goodman is a, a great business model. Um, it's probably gets, uh, get this, gets a bad reputation because it gets linked to the property market. Yeah. They are just like West Farmers. They are asset traders. They are a listed private equity. Um, there are probably a handful of stocks and this is with West Farmers, Macquarie, Infratel, um, saw Pattinson, so there's a few of them. And these guys are good. I mean, they are really good. Um, if somebody asks you the question, what kind of stocks uh, you want to hold over 10, 20 years, you don't try and pick stocks because over 10, 20 years, you just don't know what's going to happen. You pick these guys who can execute and evolve with the market, and Goodman is one of them. So they're a really good long-term player. If you've been there long-term, you know, don't listen to me, just hold it. It doesn't matter. The, the management has delivered and they will continue to deliver but would i be buying it right now i think i'm a bit uh, on the sideline it's a hold for me uh, it has come off the peak but people pay too much for these multiple you know for these good quality businesses uh, in the last couple of years and that's probably not going to come back because obviously we were on uh, stimulus drugs um, so if you look at normalized multiples i think this is okay it's probably got a bit more upside it's not a high yielding stock so you've got to work out what you're buying it for so a good one is one for me it's when people throw the baby out with the bathwater. you jump in they're not a high yield pair um probably in, in a list of private uh, equity play i'd probably look at macquarie for that um but you know, in, in cycle, in saying that, look, they're a really good business. Um, I hate to find anything bad about them uh, and they continue to execute. But I think the macro headwinds will slow it down and I think the, it'll be choppy. So for me, it's not a buy, mm. no, it's a hold. Okay, Adam. I'm gonna go to the other side to this one. It's, it's a buy. Definitely. Um, all the way through the cycle, this has been a fantastic one. As Nathan said, something like a Macquarie, but Goodman Group do exactly what Macquarie does. They go out with their guidance. They're very conservative. They under-promise and then over-deliver. And we expect that, obviously, you'll see some potential further upgrades to Goodman Group over the next, uh, into 2023. Their development earnings still remains robust. Their sites are, are fantastic sites. They're all, you see them when you're driving around. You can see that. And their customers are very, very sticky. It's, this is not about office. This is not about home. This is not about shopping centres. This is industrial parks. And these people are very, very sticky when they get in there and they don't, they, they don't leave. So I'm really, really comfortable with Goodman Group. Um, on the chart, you can see it's gone up to sort of $24, so this is the high there. I think down here at $20, anything under $20, I'd be really comfortable with. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to slap an outperform or a buy on it because I think uh, these guys know exactly what they're doing and it's a good part of a stable portfolio going forward. All right, good one. 
Goodman. Let's uh, wrap it for the first five stocks plus our stock of the day. We began there with uh, with West Farmers. A buy from both, well, tempered buy there from uh, Adam. Yeah. Uh, certainly likes the dividend uh, off of this latest results, which came out uh, today. And uh, Nathan making the point, it's not really just a retailer, it's more a private listed sort of private equity there. Um, okay, to the stocks as picked by you, Wise Tech. Um, it is a sell from Mathan, and uh, we're both recognising it could potentially be the top, given where the share price has been. It's a hold from Adam. Woolies, a double hold from both. Boss, this is one to be considered by the investment community. It is a double buy, uh, the uranium miner. Uh, City Chic, on the other hand, uh, it's a hold from Adam, potentially looking to see where this share price ends up, given it's on the downward trend, looking to get back in. A no from Mathan and Goodman there, a hold from Mathan and a buy from Adam. All right. Now, of course, we are tracking our own high conviction fund, which is picked by our investment community. The latest episode of that is live here to watch at ausbiz.com. Let's check in, see how it's performing. Uh, heading into August, Ordinate was removed and Oz Minerals was added. We also upped our Woodside holding. And uh, just in terms of performance, it's around 3% higher since its inception at the beginning of March. Yeah, indeed. All right. Well, you, Adam, you made the point as to where markets have been since the bottom in June. Uh, all right. So keep sending in your requests and keep the call switched on to see which stocks our committee will be looking at next. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while. And although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools. Plus, our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. All right, welcome back. Uh, next five stocks, we're going to take a look at Sonic, Healthcare, Zip, IGO, Pendle Group and Nine Entertainment. Let's begin with Sonic Healthcare. Jason wanted to know about this. Its results, revenue up 7%, uh, EBITDA up 11%, net profit there up 11% also to $1.46 billion. Um, Adam, how are you seeing this? And I'm also going to ask you about uh, Ramsey Healthcare too, because that is in the news, given uh, it was in a trading halt at the moment, but that uh, bid by KKR is now back on the shelf. Finally. Well, right. <laughs> well they went into, it went dark, didn't it, for yeah, like yeah. a month, month and a half. Um, so we'll talk Ramsey and then I can talk. All right. Well, yep, either sure. way. Well, either yeah. way. Uh, yeah, look. I, I, Ramsey uh, rallied eighty-eight dollars. Uh, that was the somewhat near the bid. Yeah. Um, look, everybody got excited, but then the stock just continued to fall back down to mm. 75, 76s. Uh, now going back into trading hold, um, you know, finally there's potential that that bid is still going to be on, or does that bid come down a little bit? I, I'm not too sure. Well, there appear to be due diligence issues in terms of access from KKR, but right. Yeah. So maybe the deal's off, mm. uh, which goes to the comments uh, that in takeovers, sometimes it's better to take your money when when it's on the table. Now, um, when in takeover side of things, um, generally when the market sort of sits at a level that's potentially a little bit lower than what the bid is, 
they potentially think that there's no there's not going to be a higher bid. Something like an Oz Minerals at the moment sitting at a $25 bid from BHP, but the stock's sitting at $25.80. Mm. The market knows or thinks that there's going to be a higher bid, right? So some kinds of the indication of the market on how this is going going to happen is a clear indication of potentially where uh, the stock's going to go. But certainly if there's some due diligence issues there, I'd be a little bit concerned. And this, and we did a lot of selling of Ramsey Healthcare up at sort of 80, $85 levels yeah. because you could see that this thing was just coming back. All right, so right. you're saying perhaps you should have sold at that time. Yeah, so we digress now. to a degree, yes. but staying in that sector, it's Sonic then, what yeah. do you see? So Sonic Healthcare um, have done a fantastic job to guide the market, especially through COVID and everything else. They've done a fantastic job. Management team is very, very good as well. But I'm going to say sell. I've been selling it out of clients' portfolios. We prefer something like a ResMed or a CSL in the portfolio, or even if you wanted to stretch it to Cochlear, but definitely ResMed or CSL in the portfolios. I think overall the pathology businesses have done well and done earnings have been fantastic. But you know, certainly the chart is sort of showing that that there's you know it peaked and now it's coming down. Mm. And I think that you're not going to get too much more growth out of this one going forward. But earnings per share is looking really, really good. I mean, the numbers look really great. I just think the market is probably not willing to pay up on this one. And I think generally the management are good, but I'd be uh, a seller of this one. I think there's better opportunities out there. All right, Nathan, your thoughts on Sonic and also get your opinion on Ramsey. Uh, look, I'll, I'll take the other side of uh, Adam on this one. Nice. Um, interesting play here. We like CSL. Um, I, I, look, I always say CSL is the best growth stock in our market, bar none. Um, you know, you can put any tech stock against it. It is. It's not a high growth stock, but it's a bloody awesome stock with a massive pipeline, and they always continue to find new ways to grow. Um, so I'd say that. But is the market going to be shocked by it? No, I think the market already knows it's priced well for it. Um, CSL is a hold for us. We have it in our, our models, and we have it as a hold. We actually like Sonic. Uh, we we keep Sonic, and the other one is Ansel. We play both of them as a buy. Um, I don't. I'm actually on the other side of Resmed and Cochlear. At this point in the cycle, I don't think they're getting the attention, and I think the market is still worried. Um, you know, you can see from Fisher and Paykel healthcare uh, numbers. Um, Ramsey got a lot of boost out of ventilator sales and all that, and I don't know if they can ma- maintain. Uh, the multiples that they've got in the last couple of years. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Sonic is kind of like the staple play in the healthcare. Uh, they basically put through, it's a global model, they put through a lot of tests through a limited amount of operations to get the best margin. So I think they'll do quite well. Um, the, the whole idea of the health risk, I think it's really shaken the world. Everyone now realizes how much you need, how much you've got to spend on it. Um, so I think Sonic's a really good global model and it'll continue to do well. So I think it's just, it's not going to be a massive mover, but I actually think it's got the discount that it's worthwhile looking at compared to its history. So for me, Sonic is a buy. Um, I'd be a hold on CSL. Ramsey's, um, for me, it doesn't excite me because the only player is uh, an M&A at the moment. Apart from that, there's a lot of risk in budgets for most governments who are struggling with massive amount of debts and healthcare is a massive part of their uh, cost base. So there's always risk with health insurance as well. So there's a big risk player at the moment. Um, The thing that, another thing just uh, on the side is that, you know, whenever there's uh, information about M&A, for some reason, it always comes out just before the end of the month. 
you know, I'm just saying. I mean, it, it could be something completely different, but for some reason, always the M&A chat comes on the last week of the month, so suddenly the major shareholders get a pretty good pump up on their performance. So, you know, it's we're only a few days away from the end of month. Uh, I'll take a guess and say it's going to be a positive news. All right. But, I could, but sorry? I could be wrong. Yep, okay. So, sorry, Was that, that was a buy. Yeah, that's a buy yep. for Sony. Yep. yep, all right despite the conspiracy. All right, <laughs> let's move right along into buy now, pay later, zip. Uh, in fact, we heard from them yesterday. Zara wanted to know about this. Uh, is lost from ordinary activities after income at $1.1 billion, so that's 63% more than last year. Larry Diamond from the company saying it's accelerating its business journey towards positive cash flow. Um, it's also, in terms of strategy, withdrawing from unprofitable markets such as the UK and focusing its core, you know, its core businesses in Australia and the US. So, Nathan, a, well, those comments from Zip and its performance thus far, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's buy now, pay later is a tough sector at the best of time. Recession, obviously, blah, blah, it's going to hit them. Uh, they're, they're like the uh, retail on steroids. Um, but it got absolutely pulverized. Um, when it got to that 40 cents, again, another June 40, uh, June 30 buy target, I think it was like 40 cents uh, at that point, and it tripled out of it. Uh, we were actually in it, ran up. Uh, I mean, we went down, then we ran up. Uh, we're out of it now, uh, but it's one that we're keeping an eye on because the market tends to play these things as it's either you know, buy at any price or sell at any price. It just doesn't, it, it, nothing is ever that simple. It's managing the risk. Um, in the short term, I think Zip probably goes lower um, just on the macro um, because people will look at what's happening with consumers, what's happening in the economies, and that'll pl- probably play into them. Um, and it's a loss making business. So these things tend to be uh, trading with NASDAQ, and I think NASDAQ's probably due for a decent pullback. So in that context, I think the risk is high. But, um, you know, these are the, the trading ones. When these opportunities comes, that's when you've got to buy in. I actually like management. I think out of the buy now, pay later models, I think the zip one is actually pretty good. I think they probably need some kind of regulation to clean up the sector uh, because there's now buy now, pay later for everything. I mean, God knows, if you sneeze, you'll find one. Um, and so reality is there's got to be a consolidation. You need the weaker players to get killed off so the stronger players can build market share. But I think the shorter term, that's going to be playing out rough. So I'm not jumping in right now, um, but I think you want to keep an eye on it. In the next six months, I think you'll get a really good opportunity to buy into buy now, pay later. Yeah, you're holding on, though, because I mean, you're saying it's going to go lower from here. Yeah, no, uh, we, we got out in our models. Yeah. Um, so it was a sell for us, uh, but we'll, we'll be back. Okay. All right. Adam? Uh, so for me, it's a hold. Um, this one's obviously been a tough sector, as as Nathan rightly put it. There's there's lots of moving parts that's going on with this one, and the reason why it's still a hold. And I think if we look further to the first quarter of 2023, and then the second quarter, I think you might see Zip starting to surprise. The reason why yeah. that I say that is that net loss has declined by 40%. So like. Yes, it was a very large figure, that $1.1 billion. It was a big figure, but it is actually getting better. In the last six months alone, they've actually done positive 2.1% in the US. So concentrating on some of those businesses that are moving in the right direction, getting rid of some of those old ones. Um, because remember, Zip used to do a big land grab. It used to be you know, it's in South Africa and it used mm. to be an island. And you used to try and get everywhere, and I just don't think that worked. And so they've now tried to change strategies a little bit. Um, 
And also for every 10 basis points that that loss does, reduction in net loss, it actually means $10 million to gross margin to these guys. So if they can get that net loss down and, and, and move forward, then obviously it will continue to be uh, more profitable. One of the things is that the stock is very, very short, or there are a lot of shorts in it. It's around 9% of the register at the moment is in short territory. So that has to, doesn't have to, but it, it potentially should unwind or could unwind in as, as if these reports start to look a little bit better. And it's still a long, long way away, another six months. They're in a, they're, the group's in a six-month turnaround at the moment, and it's still going to take them another six months to turn credit around. So I think that is going to be a tough one. It's a hold for me. I still hold it. I, I bought it at $3. I watched it go to $14. I then also took some more in the share purchase plan myself. And I'm a holder of the And it's stock. been an interesting journey for you. It's been a lovely journey. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful journey. All right, that is, that is zip. <laughs> Uh, you win some, you lose some. <laughs> All right, let's move on to IGO. Emmett wanting to know about this. I uh, wants to know the panel's views on it. Um, it is in nickel, of course, picked up Western areas. Uh, but wants to know if a company like Pilbara or an ETF like ACDC would be better exposure to the clean energy battery thematic, Adam. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so Novia, uh, the, the yeah, right, Western areas, they did pick that up and I think they, they actually got a good price even though there was a little bit of uh, tussle that went on with that one with uh, Andrew Forrest and his Wailo um, adventures. So, yeah, that's certainly one of those ones that has done well. There's certainly, uh, I like it because of the lithium space. We saw BHP this week. BHP said that basically uh, 90% of its nickel is going to battery makers. So basically 100% of everything is going to battery producers. So I think IGO is absolutely in the right place with their nickel mines and going forward. And they paid a little bit for that, but that's fine. Lithium obviously continuing to do very, very well. We had a note out from our analysts this morning talking about lithium market and it's very immature, but demand as an environment or an ex- it certainly has explosive growth going forward. So. Comparing that to the Goldman and Sachs report that came out sort of midway through this year, uh, yeah, a couple of months ago, where they talked about supply uh, and demand lowering, uh, we think that that uh, demand is going to increase and supply is going to get tighter. So that means that we still think that lithium prices will continue to move higher. And even today, most of the lithium stocks are moving very, very well. They are. Yeah, they're on fire. Um, Pilbara, as asked there, I think it's up around 3 or 4% yeah. at this point, in fact. So you like IG. So IGO, you've got to buy. Absolutely. Um, so I mentioned there... Pilbara, do you, are you buying specifically there or perhaps an ETF where you're trying to get a bit of scope? Yeah, the ACDC one I really like. I, I, I like the ETF security guys. I think that they've done very, very well. So yes, it's a great diversification. So ACDC would be a buy from me. I think that's absolutely in that space. But if you really wanted to sort of pick it, IGO is the best or Alchem are the two stocks that I like in the lithium space Right. Uh, going forward. Um, PLS yeah. It, it's got a lot of heat in it at the moment, and I think potentially that could come back a little bit. And I did get a couple of inquiries from clients the other day. What's the next PLS? Um, we, we, we like um, global lithium resources. So it's certainly something that I think is, is one of those ones uh, that looks pretty good as well. So, yep. um, yeah, pretty comfortable uh, okay. with IGO, and I think it's a buy. ACDC I'm comfortable with as well. Nathan? Yeah, look, I mean... The whole EV thematic, as I was saying before, in the energy play, everything energy is having a good run in 
2022 and uh, EV has not missed that cycle. Um, do I want to be chasing lithium? Mm. Uh, is it something that's new that people don't know about? No. Uh, I mean, lithium's had a few cycles and everyone knows about it and everyone's looking for the next uh, the new story, I suppose. The thing for me with resources at the moment is it's it's kind of a weird story because you've got this recession, stagflation worries on one side, slowing growth, and then on the other side, you've got pretty high commodity prices, and that's pretty high for everything. Mm. Um, so it's it's one of those things where I don't think both of them can hold, uh, and I think logic suggests that commodity prices will come lower. But then again, you've got to look at it and say, we're in a reflation cycle, so commodity prices will go back up. So the, the, the question would be, how do you time the cycle? So. At this point, we're very cautious. We are gradually, we got out of commodities middle of last year, uh, and then a lot of them have gone up and down, and there's been a lot of volatility. Uh, but, you know, we got out at higher prices in most of those stocks. But we're now looking to get back in, but we're being very selective. The thing to remember is, when you look at lithium, you actually have what diversity or five players giving you that option, and IGO is one of them. So you can look at, you know, you got your BHP, you got your RIA, then you go down to South 32 for the diversification. Then you look at IGO. Then you look at min resources. So they kind of give you multiple commodity exposures. So if you're picking in this kind of cycle where there's a lot of macro risk, yep. it's actually better to go with the diversified guy who gives you a few things. So if one commodity rolls over, you don't get absolutely smashed. You've got that uh, diversification. So. IGO is a great um, business. I, I think the miners have got track record management is awesome. Oh. Uh, it was one of my stock picks for last year. It was my best pick and it's killed it. I got out probably a bit too early uh, and then they made lithium purchase and then taken another leg. Um, I am waiting for it to come back to get in. Um, I do like them. They're probably better management than the, you know, the average ETF will offer you. But look, the ETF is a great way to get the exposure as well. I would be saying be a bit more cautious, go for the diversified play yeah. to get a bit more balanced approach to the lithium investing. Alrighty, okay, that's IGO. Moving on to Pendle Group. In fact, we better pick it up because we've been beaten by the clock at yep. this point. Um, except, accepted a fresh takeover offer from Perpetual that uh, values it at two and a half billion. Keith saying, given the announcement, I'm wondering what uh, the panel's view is on the offer. He's currently holding 16,000 shares, bought at $4. Should he hang on um, or should he sell? Uh, my calculations is saying indicate this offer may have been put together when it was at around $36, is now trading at around 29 Nathan? Yeah, fund managers, it's been a good couple of years if you've been investing in them because you've got a lot of rock and roll, um, a lot more downside. Um, but the reality is fund managers play asset prices. BT, which is basically Vendel, uh, hasn't got a great track record. You are not buying a great fund manager. Uh, and you look at the share price of Perpetual and Pendle, and they're pretty much the same thing. They're always been sliding for a while now, um, downgrade after downgrade. Um, so in this cycle, um, they're getting, you know, when you put them together, you get scale. Yes. Um, is that a good thing in the longer term? Probably. Uh, is that going to turn around tomorrow? Probably not, because you've got to remember, um, one thing we learned from previous crashes is people don't do anything till the crash happens. And after the crash, everyone pulls money out of the market and they miss the cycle back. So one thing you've got to be careful of is keep an eye on the outflows and the inflows. So when fund managers are going through outflows, 
their performance is going to struggle because they hold concentrated portfolios. Every time they get chunks of outflows, they have to sell those concentrated portfolios. They hurt their own performance, which creates more selling. So in that context, I do not buy asset managers uh, till, they, till I see inflows. And in the current cycle, I am not touching mm. um, asset managers. I mean, have a look yep. at Magellan, look at Platinum, tells you where it is. Okay, Adam. Uh, so short and sweet for me, um, I think uh, you'd be sort of, and I don't know if 16,000 shares is a lot for, for that client and what the overall portfolio is, but look, I'd probably start be moving away. Um, in the medium term, I think staff retention is going to be a big issue for these guys. I think that, uh, that there's, there's a lot of history out there that's saying that uh, when asset managers merge together, they fail to deliver on the longer term. So this one would be a sell from me. Okay. All right, let's round it out with uh, Nine Entertainment. It reported uh, yesterday. Helen wants you to know about this. Share price shot up as a result. I think it was up about 9% uh, after it reported four-year revenue up 15% and net profits up 35%. Adam, do you like Nine? Uh, no, I don't like any media stocks, so <laughs> right. I'm going to uh, going to say no to this one, and I'm going to um, going to uh, use also that remember that we've got uh, Netflix coming in, and um, uh, Ben um, the other day said it really well, so I'm going to steal his line, but he said that Netflix is coming in with an ad revenue model, yep. and basically ad revenue is going to be sucked out and moved towards um, moved towards Netflix whereas some of these incumbents free-to-wear are going to struggle. So for me, it's a no. I'm really comfortable to stay out of the media sector altogether. Yeah, I've got to say my viewing habits have changed. I, I just I struggle now to watch any content with yeah. ads in it. Yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah. and if, if we do watch uh, TV, we've recorded it, and yeah. so I just press fast-forward yeah, on yeah, the ads. Skip. So, yeah, so no. All right, Nathan, your thoughts? Oh, this is great. I'm <laughs> completely on the other side. It's <laughs> okay. Um, look, we, we like we like the media sector. It got absolutely belted with the retail, um, where interestingly, uh, recession fears did not hit the banks or the property stocks as much, but it hit retail and media. So we were big on the um, media sector. Uh, we like a um, number of them. Our media had a really good result. Um, HD1 had a really good result. Nine had a really good result. Nine is a behemoth after absorbing Fairfax. So they have numerous um, media players and they're all doing well. Um, so, uh, uh, look, there isn't much diversification in Australia. You only got a few players. Uh, and, you know, when retail and hospitality is fighting for the last bit of dollar from the consumer, they're going to be marketing. So uh, I think media does well, and the multiples are really cheap. Um, everyone hates retail. Everyone hates media at the moment. That's why I like them, uh, because everyone else hates them. But So I think Channel 9 is a... It's it's like the BHP for media sector. Oh, so right. if you don't know if you don't know if you don't know anything and you want to pick a media sector stock, yeah. you're buying Channel Nine. It's the so, biggest gorilla in town. So you're buying it at these levels. We bought it just before the result. Okay. For our morals. All right. Diversity of opinion. That's what we like here at <laughs> the call. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's uh, have a look at where we've been in the second half of the show. We began there with Sonic Healthcare. Also took a look at Ramsey, given. Uh, it's uh, that that deal may be off as far as uh, from KKR. Uh, Adam, it's a sell for him. Uh, prefers perhaps ResMed or CSL uh, for Mathan. It is a buy. Uh, it causes a staple in that sector. Zip, a no from Mathan. 
perhaps uh, looking to buy back in uh, later when it even comes off even further. A hold from Adam. Uh, IGO, a buy from Adam. We were also asked about perhaps uh, Pilbara or an ETF like ACDC, which Adam says not a bad way to diversify there. Uh, Mathan is waiting in that space uh, as far as IGO is concerned. Pendle, uh, a no from Mathan, a sell from Adam. And finally there, um, as I said, we had a diversity of opinion, a no, because Adam doesn't like media, whereas Nathan does, so he's got a buy on it. All right, thanks to our guests, our experts on the show today. Adam, great to see you from yeah, Forum Partners. absolutely, great to be here. All right, and Nathan from Deep Data Analytics, always good to have a Thank chat. You. All right. Now, any stocks you'd like us to cover, flick us an email, the call at ausbiz.com.au, or you can tweet us at ausbiztv. And a reminder, you can find those stocks in the calls portfolio. Head to ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Thanks for watching. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.